Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, October 30th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Peak Pals with the spookiest night of the year tomorrow. Canadians are split on whether or not to hand out Halloween candy, with about 46% of a recent survey's respondents saying they won't be handing out anything this year. Now, the Canadian press poll also found that 38% of respondents believe in ghosts and paranormal activity. So maybe they're just too afraid to hand out chocolate bars. I don't know about you, Peak Pals, but I definitely will be handing out candy. I'm not going to be a Halloween Grinch like the 46% in this survey. But Peak Pals, besides Halloween, we've got a great episode for you today for our first story. Halloween treats probably won't give you lead poisoning, but watch that hot chocolate. For our second story, poison pill threatens AI image models. And for our third story, Canada tightens international student rules. For our first story, new research is putting the harmful metal content of chocolate under the microscope again. But don't go tossing the kids trick-or-treat hall just yet. Here's what's happening. Watchdog group Consumer Reports tested dozens of chocolate products for lead and cadmium, finding that almost one-third had dangerous levels. Milk chocolate had low levels of both metals, so the candy kids pick up on Halloween is likely safe. But lead content was above California's minimum allowable level in two of 12 chocolate chips, two of six cocoa powders, one of six brownie mixes, two of six candy mixes, and four of six hot chocolate mixes. The new study follows tests Consumer Reports did last year on dark chocolate that found potentially dangerous levels of one or both metals in 23 of 29 products. This is important because long-term exposure to cadmium has been linked to kidney and bone damage. Lead exposure can cause brain and nervous system issues as well as developmental delays in children. Now to zoom out, a lot of foods contain cadmium and lead but the amounts are so small that you'd have to eat nearly impossible amounts to experience any adverse effects. Cocoa, where chocolate comes from, also contains cadmium. Like other plants, it absorbs some of the metal present in the soil. Dark chocolate contains more cocoa, so it has higher levels. But a report last year found that lead was finding its way into cocoa after it was harvested, likely due to particles in the air and nearby dirt that were picked up as the beans dried in the sun. Which brings us to the bottom line. The tests examined one ounce of each product, which is roughly the size of two fun-sized Mars bars. Health experts say people can avoid trouble by eating chocolate in moderation or sticking to products found to be safe. For our second story, if your favorite AI image generator starts spitting out some weird stuff, we may have an explanation. Researchers successfully created a method to trick image-generating AI models like DALI into wrongly characterizing images during their training, according to their recently published paper. The technique uses a poison pill they've named Nightshade, which adds invisible pixels to images that sabotage the AI models training on them. The lead developer of Nightshade describes the tool as a last defense against web scrapers that use content creators' work without permission. It matters because tools like Nightshade expose the fact that the quality of AI models is largely dependent on the data they're trained on, a flaw that makes them vulnerable to manipulation. Nightshade's lead developer says it takes less than a few hundred poisoned images to severely damage models like DALL-E, Midjourney, and Stable Diffusion. Now to zoom out, widespread adoption of poison pill techniques by content creators could push more AI companies to cut licensing deals with them to ensure their training data is high quality and authentic. In September, AI tech developer NVIDIA reached a deal with Getty Images to develop a generative AI model using only Getty's catalog of content 
while OpenAI cut a licensing deal with the Associated Press to use its content to train its ChatGPT model. But poison pills can also be used for nefarious purposes, like manipulating AI chatbots to send racist and offensive messages, a scenario that played out with one of Meta's AI chatbots last year. Which brings us to the big picture. With a slew of AI copyright laws playing out, Nightshade isn't the most pressing challenge to AI developers, but the poison pill represents a growing threat to one of the industry's most valuable commodities, quality data. For our third story, for months now, officials have been saying that the 800,000 foreign students at Canadian universities and colleges are putting too much pressure on housing and the labor market. And here's what they plan to finally do about it. Well, the federal government is now responding to growing criticism around international student programs with a plan to hold schools to higher standards when it comes to services, support, and outcomes for students, including ensuring adequate housing. As the number of study permit applications connected to fraudulent acceptance letters rises, schools will also have to confirm every student's admission status. The measures don't include capping the number of Canadian study permits or limiting work opportunities for students, which were ideas both floated just last month. Now, to catch you up on the problem, foreign students are charged an average of five times as much as Canadian students, leaving schools eager to cash in as provincial funding shrinks. Colleges catering to foreigners are also popping up in places like strip malls, most notably in Brampton, Ontario. Per Bloomberg, from 2019 to 2020, foreigners paid 37% of tuition at Canadian universities, while in 2021, those students paid 68% of tuition at Ontario colleges. You might remember that last month, CIBC Deputy Chief Economist Benjamin Tall found that the government had undercounted the number of permanent residents in Canada by 1 million, about 250,000 of which were international students. Those 250,000 international students require housing and possibly work across major Canadian cities, but are missing from projections around housing or labor market needs. The situation is so bad that students have been found sleeping on the street and flooded labor markets in some regions, meaning many are struggling to find work. The bottom line is, Canada's approach to international student programs is no longer working for both students and residents, exacerbating programs that are high on the economic priority list. New measures are a start, but the government has said more needs to be done. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great week. Have a great week.